This is a quick disclaimer. Although the wise investor is trying to educate people on personal finance, what we talk about on the show is not actually financial advice for your personal and unique situation. Before trying to do anything with your money, always consult a professional. Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening to this week's episode of What They Did Not Teach You in School, presented by the Wise Investor Team. Making Canadians more financially literate, one post at a time. Hello, 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 and welcome to this week's episode of What They Did Not Teach You in School. Something that my business partner, Mark, and I have been battling a lot with from an internal company perspective is how do we create company culture and build team morale and chemistry during a pandemic when I haven't seen somebody face to face in six months. That's a little bit of a hyperbole, but it's true. And when we can't necessarily come together, what's the solution to that in the, in the new normal? So we have a special guest today that I've been excited about for over a week now. Her name's Sean Hewitt. Thank you for being a guest on the show today. Much appreciated. She's all the way from the West Coast in sunny BC. I feel like the weather is better over there. <sighs> And before we get started, I'm just going to speak a little bit about our sponsors for today. King Street Media, they do all of the marketing, post-production, and hosting of today's podcast. They're really good at scaling companies using digital marketing tools and tactics. If you have any questions about how to take your business to the next level in this digital world, you can look them up at King Street Media, kingstreetmedia.ca. All right, let's dive into this. Quick little intro. Our guest today, Sean Hewitt, co-founder and CEO at Wavy. Wavy curates virtual experiences for teams, groups, and communities. Their focus is to bring high-quality experiences online, like craft beer tasting, trivia nights, wine nights, wellness workshops, baking classes, and more. Sean is a wealth of knowledge when it comes to fostering a team dynamic in this new normal that we are all calling the work-from-home economy. Thank you. Thank you for being on. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. And I have to say, it is rare that someone says from sunny BC, especially uh, this time of year, but uh, it is bright out and nice out today. So <laughs> I have I have a business partner and he's in uh, Victoria and he always brags about how the weather is better there than in Toronto. Well, even people in Victoria brag about how it's better than uh, Vancouver. And <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, I'm out of Vancouver. Our, our team spread out across Canada. Uh, we started the company in Toronto, but um, you know, with this future of our company being fully remote, I thought I might as well take the opportunity to head out west. And uh, it's been great. Yeah, we're doing a remote. We're doing a remote recording right now. So here we are. This is the world we're in. Exactly. Exactly. I try my best not to call it the the new normal, but I but I guess it is like the future of, of work and, and how things are going to be. So. Yeah. Well, the, in the interesting thing is, is before the quarantine, the pandemic happened, my team was asking me or kind of like pushing me towards getting rid of the office. Yeah. They're like, there's no need to come to the office every day, uh, unnecessary expense, unnecessary waste of time. So we actually got, we made the adjustment before the quarantine hit to work from home at least yeah. uh, three days a week. And then when COVID happened and they shut everything down, then we left our office space and just went completely remote. And now, seven months, eight months later, my team is asking me to get an office space. 
So, <laughs> so no one's ever happy in this world, but I honestly think it's a little bit of a, of a mixture where the future of like commercial office space is going to be going where there's the option and there's like um, the ability to collaborate and work in physical person, but as well as have the flexibility to work from wherever you want. Yeah. Um, so uh, can you tell us a little bit about your story? Like what brought you to start wavy? What interested you or made you passionate about this area and what kind of principles did you build the company off of? Yeah, lots of uh, lots of great questions there. So we started Wavy, my two co-founders and I, Peter and Nietzsche. Uh, we started about two years ago and we wanted to build a solution that would help people have more meaningful and more shared experiences with their loved ones, whether that's friends, family, colleagues, whoever that might be. And we set off building like a B2C, I'll call it something in the travel space solution that would help people find the joy and spontaneity of travel in their own city. And we got to work on curating local experiences from people like chefs or sommeliers or artists or photographers to get um, insights and recommendations that are really authentic, that are from real humans, that um, are more like on the ground or insider knowledge. So we wanted to build something that would be focused on experiences, that would help people live more balanced lives, and before starting Wavy, I had spent close to four years at an employee engagement company called Nudge Rewards based out of Toronto. So I'd always had this employee engagement and the importance of aligning teams and building a great company culture and having strong employee communications kind of in the back of my mind, but set off on, on building Wavy. And when we you know, were faced with the pandemic at the beginning of March, it didn't make a ton of sense to recommend that people go out and explore their cities, but we wanted to still bring value in supporting local and helping people have shared experiences and connections despite being distant. When we got to work on virtual experiences, because we already had the expert network in place, uh, you know, talking to a sommelier or craft beer expert or um, a yoga instructor or an artist to bring their offerings online, that was easy. But what we noticed is there was a much bigger burning need and demand on the corporate side for bringing teams together rather than bringing social groups together. So for us, like a really natural pivot and almost meant to be in that it's a really interesting mix of mine and the co-founder's background in the employee engagement space. We were both at Nudge. We spent many years helping to build um, enterprise solutions that help large-scale distributed teams come together and then spent a couple of years specializing in experiences. So we're almost at that crossroads of those two interests now. Um, and it truly does feel meant to be in the future of work is something our team is, is really passionate about. So, uh, so that's where we are now. And has, has the pandemic fueled the growth of your company at all, or has it slowed it down? Cause I know a lot of companies are getting different results from the pandemic that's been happening. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I wish it was on a more positive note or on better terms. I think there's that saying, like, never let a good crisis go to waste. But <laughs> the pandemic has fundamentally changed our business. We completely pivoted and, uh, and changed what we were doing because of it. But I think pandemic aside, the way work is changing, you know, is, is towards a more distributed, more flexible future. That doesn't mean 100% remote. It doesn't mean the office is going to die. I think there's still importance in people 
connecting in person and having that time together, but the pros far outweigh the cons and that remote work and having flexibility in a global workforce and things like that are great. The way the future of work is changing and, and um, the opportunity to, to help companies build a really great remote employee experience and great company culture is uh, definitely an opportunity that's been accelerated because of the pandemic. And this- 100%. I was just I was just talking with Mark the other day about how right now people are craving human interaction more than I don't know may ever maybe. But Mark, what's your thoughts on that? Like how how have you been trying to overcome the lack of intimacy or just connection that you could have with the team? And then we'll talk a little bit about what Sean has been implementing to do these things as well. Yeah, I mean, I think what we've come to realize is that uh, is exactly that. I think when you when you're deprived of something like something that a lot of people even took for granted. You mentioned our team specifically, like we we didn't see the need to come in. But when you're when you're when that opportunity is taken away from you, I think a certain part of you values being able to get it back and about being able to get the most of that face to face experience. I think the biggest challenge that businesses face with with being remote and being virtual, one of them is is the lack of communication that can arise is not, not, you know, not that it's necessarily the best work environment, but being able to turn around and lean to your employee when you have something that, you know, you want to bounce off of them can sometimes result in a quicker path to thinking bigger and, uh, and thinking outside of the box for any company. So we've struggled with that and we've needed to implement practices, you know, whether it be virtually or over the phone, however it may be, to, to, kind of a, to kind of mitigate what we've been losing there. And when we got back in person for the first time, I think Anthony, a couple of weeks ago, I came back and I said to Anthony, I said there was a different type of energy. Whether that will you know, fade off or whether we can develop a long-term solution for it, it remains to be seen. But I do think that it's, it feels be, being the fact that it was taken away, it makes you appreciate it that much more when you're able to get it back. It's unfortunate how that has to work, but Sean, like how have you seen over the last three months that your users or the businesses that use your platform, what have they been reaching out to you for? Like what has been their problem that you've been trying, that they've been reaching out for you to solve? Yeah, I think there's a lot to unpack here and it's this exact topic is something we're obsessed with. We're always talking about it, Wavy. I recently heard one of our, one of our customers' employees said to me in an interview, I feel like I'm just a name on Slack and that's it. And that is like, we can all, especially us who work in, work in tech or use things like Slack, like that I can just like picture that so vividly and that every single people leader we talk to feels the same right now. Their team feels disconnected. They're not communicating on things other than work. People are feeling isolated, lonely, morale feels low. People feel burnt out or feel like they're suffering from Zoom fatigue. Like it is, it is a bit of a dire situation. And I think it's because we very quickly shifted to remote work and didn't really think about the people and culture side of things. Remote work can work. I think that's been proved proven on such a large scale this year. And so many large companies like Shopify, Deloitte, Square, Facebook are, you know, rooting and opting it for the long term too. Yeah, it's gonna be for their foreseeable future forever that they'll be remote first. But now company culture really needs some rethinking across organizations, big and small, because you're, you're absolutely right in that 
those little moments like turning to your colleague and you ask them a question, but then all of a sudden you decide to go get a coffee or uh, make plans for something later or talk about your weekends. Like those are moments that are really hard to come by working remotely. And there's lots of tools, tips and resources coming into play here. And Wavy definitely, definitely plays a large role in that. But I think ultimately it's being much more deliberate in how you create culture remotely. Setting aside time, creating new processes and rituals and moments that people can come together on things other than just work so that they feel like they are. 100%. Yeah. And, and, and that used to be such a good, like, we used to have such a good vibe at our office in that regard. Yeah. And it just, we went from that to like 180, the opposite direction, right? You mentioned something, you mentioned a term there, Zoom fatigue. What does that mean? What is, I've actually never heard that before you mentioned it to me a couple yeah. of days ago. It's a topic we, we think about a lot and you've probably felt it. I don't have the credibility to jump into this on a scientific scale, but there is part of being on screen and on video and constantly um, engaging in a digital way that can be pretty draining, especially if like voices and conversations feel like they're close by, but then you're really just like looking into your screen or camera on your phone or computer, that that can cause a little bit of burnout and fatigue. So, you know, at Wavy, you know, within our team, we're very focused on setting work-life balance, making sure we have, you know, moments of your workday that you can be off screen or take that time outside um, and taking time for health and wellness, but also designing virtual events, which is what we do in a way that it won't cause Zoom fatigue. We want our events to feel as far away from a webinar as possible and that you shouldn't just be sitting like we are staring at your screen. You should be engaging in something hands-on you should be breaking out into breakout rooms or mini games to have conversation or to shoot the shit with your team members you should be getting a delivery or like physical goods so that there's like that tactile aspect to these experiences and really come out of each event with like you know you've learned something new you've created something you've collaborated with your team and had that moment to have a bit more of a meaningful connection than 50 people jumping on a zoom happy hour where you're all fighting for conversation like that contributes to zoom fatigue there's no one facilitating that there's no organization it can feel a bit aimless and that's just going to be a bit more tiring or exhausting for everyone taking part. so true so true okay let's chat a little bit about the importance or why of all of this so we understand that business owners don't have the resources or the know-how in order to foster these team events and virtual is an amazing option for that but why, why does a business owner care about this? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> like, why even bother? Who cares? Let the employees do what they want. Let the team do what they want. But, and this may be a stupid question to you, but to some of our maybe older school listeners, they're thinking, well, why do I even care? What's the a practical application to this? Yeah, I mean, there are, there are tons of studies out there that show why employee engagement as a whole is extremely important for your business's bottom line on things like um, communication, like workplace relationships and friendships, like employee satisfaction. All of those things directly tie into customer satisfaction, into productivity, into revenue and sales. And there's, there's lots of, uh, you know, there's lots of studies from from Gartner and Gallup that point in that direction but 
I think it's become even more important this year and in the shift to remote work than it was before in that people still need to have shared experiences with each other and still want to feel like they're working on a team and getting to know their colleagues to feel good about coming into work every day. Mark, even even from you as a people, as a person manager, what has what has been one of the biggest challenges that you've been trying to face? Because like Wavy's target market is Mark. He's a, he's a, he's an entrepreneur people manager who's trying to foster team experiences. And he's had some difficulties along the way, you know, what have been some of the the challenges that you've faced Mark? And like, I'd love to know if you think that's just because of the work from home environment that we're in, or is it just like a bigger problem that HR managers have across the board? When I think, when I think about the experience that, you know, working in an office environment creates is you don't need to be a, you know, quote unquote leader uh, in order to go to your subordinate or go to your manager and contribute a thought. You don't need to schedule a meeting all the time. And I, I alluded to this, I mentioned this early, but it, it, it you have an opportunity in an informal setting to contribute an idea or uh, something that you think could be, you know, beneficial to yourself or the, or the business. In a Zoom environment, in a remote environment, there's that there's there's the needing to take the ownership of scheduling time a little bit more clearly, whether it's scheduling your your manager's time and or whether it's taking the floor in a virtual meeting when things may not be as organized and you, you think you have this formal setting in place. I think that's been a huge challenge. And one of the ones that one of the questions that I wanted to ask you, Sean, or or wanted to make sure we touched on was. How are businesses using this tool to to increase participation or to encourage participation from people who may not feel as comfortable just jumping in in a Zoom setting and taking over an entire 20 to 30 person call? Because we struggle with that sometimes in our team. Our our, our newer team members don't feel as confident contributing in a setting like this. Is there anything that you you guys are doing that businesses could really lean on? You talked about like tangible home delivery stuff, anything that you can mention there. Yeah, and I think there's two things I want to touch on here. So the first is, um, you know, is this problem a symptom of work from home and remote work, or is there a bigger change? And then the second can totally jump into to best practices. I think, uh, you know, our whole team thinks that this is a larger problem that was pre-COVID in that company culture is needing a bit of a reinvention or change, and that's employee-driven things like pizza lunches or beer fridges or ping pong tables don't really cut it when it comes to what employees value anymore. You're like, ping pong's fun. I like pizza, but like, <laughs> I crave, like, I value experiences over things. I crave right. um, human connection and getting to build meaningful friendships and relationships at work. And, you know, that feels, that feels good for me. I value health and wellness and diversity and equity and inclusion more so than a perk like like a beer fridge. So these employee values have been changing for quite a while and you take away the office and all of those values are heightened all of a sudden. Exactly. So, you know, that's what we're seeing. And I think it's almost a silver lining how this year has accelerated a bunch of those trends. And then on, on the other note to talk about how you can do virtual team building um, and employee. Even, even before you get to how, like how have people been doing it wrong? And then how can they build off of that to do it better? Because like, we've been doing the whole Friday happy hour thing. 
cheesy, not really that great. And there's a disconnect. Inspire, yeah. it, it doesn't, doesn't inspire it doesn't. creativity or big thought. And I just want to mention something to Sean's point really quickly before we move off of it is you know, I came from a corporate background and yeah. the news around the office was always about, you know, hey, we got a new chair and this chair, when you sit in it, you know, it's, it blocks out the sound around you and uh, you don't hear it's, it's cool for the culture. And hey, we're going to be doing this in the lunchroom. And every single week, the conversation wasn't about the opportunity that the company was giving us to have a better culture. It was about why there were certain things wrong with what we were doing. And people just weren't feeling happy. It was always, what else could this big corporation be doing? Because they were just fleeting experiences, instant gratification, not anything of any real substance. Like you just mentioned, Sean, like uh, a lunch is a lunch and it goes away after it's done. And like, I think people don't value that as much anymore. And I love what you said about it accelerating our real core values, because when you take away the office, that's what we're left with. Right. So if you want to expand on that, or if you want to jump into Anthony's point uh, or question, what are some ways that you've noticed, especially because it seems like you have extensive experience in this, that people have been doing things wrong and how is Wavy implementing new ways to make things better? Or how can even the people listening do do team building better? Yeah, yeah. And, that, and I think we were getting questions from corporate teams, large and small, like we work with, with large enterprise that has thousands of employees all the way down to startups that have got 25 people on their team. We were getting questions before we launched the side of our business on how they could run more meaningful or more engaging experiences for their team. What are we seeing people do wrong? I mean, it's a hard year. I don't want to like place too much blame on people doing wrong because everyone's trying. I was chatting with uh, a CEO of a growing tech company recently. And he's like, his point of view on this was really interesting. I want to kind of like paraphrase, but he was like, we shifted to remote work all of a sudden. We desperately and creatively came up with all sorts of things like Zoom happy hours and Zoom background challenges and connecting a couple times a week as a whole team on a call to make sure our team knew they were supported and that we were here to do, to socialize and things like that. But, you know, that doesn't really cut it once you're six, seven, eight months into this and planning on being remote for the foreseeable future or yeah. ever. So his point of view is like, it's time to go a bit deeper here to come up with something that's more engaging and more creative and really give our team something to look forward to that we know is going to be high quality and let them know that we're investing in this side of our business. So when it comes to doing thing wrong, things wrong, I think frequency is something. Do you need to do a Zoom happy hour every Friday at 5 p.m. now that it's remote? Probably not. Um, could you provide, you know, a different frequency in that one week we may do a morning wellness workshop. Thursday, you might do a uh, 4 p.m. cocktail and mocktail class. And then a couple weeks from then, you might all get together to do a painting class. Like those are just some examples of some of the things that we facilitate. I love those ideas, to be honest with you. That sounds like a refreshing change on what we've been doing. So <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of, I, and this is, uh, this is something that was a bit of a light bulb moment for us in kind of consulting and helping our customers make this transition is that you take a lot of companies have taken the things that they love from offline environments like a Friday happy hour and been like, okay, we've got to just translate that to online. But I think when it comes to online team building and events, you just have to approach it differently. You have to like some of our best practices are having two moderators be a part of it. One that's the subject matter expert, like the 
artist in my painting example, and then one that is the technical or moderator expert that can help make sure everyone's, you know, accessing the event okay, and that they're moderating the chat and leading things like icebreakers and games, which are so important. You can't necessarily, like, I wouldn't recommend spending a full 60 minutes painting. I would add in breaks there that, you know, are um, conversation icebreakers or a game about painting. We often run mini games like a little pitch competition or um, a little min like minute to win it challenge with teams so that you are breaking it up and it is more interactive. A holiday party in the past might have been a full evening. I would say keep it to two hours maximum this, this year and, and going forward. So time is a little bit different. And then, like I noted earlier, mixing like the physical and digital world and that maybe you can get like a gift card and ingredients list for a baking class, or you can get a full cocktail mocktail kit sent your way. So you actually have something tangible there. And then you all take part in the experience together. I love that. That's a really good way to, to bring that more real life factor vibe to it. Let's let's talk about a couple things that you mentioned there. So Christmas season is around the corner or holiday season as you know, some businesses slow down and they look to get together and everything like that. What has been a, a trend that you've been seeing companies taking in trying to curate an online or virtual COVID-19 version of a holiday party? I'd love to also just straight up know what is the process for a business owner that's listening that wants to use Wavy and what that process looks like. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we are in full swing uh, holiday season right now. What I'm seeing across companies, our customers and outside of that too, is everyone is looking to put together something to recognize their teams. This has been a very hard year for a lot of businesses because their industries have suffered, but also on an individual level because of mental health and wellness and um, lots of crazy stuff going on health and politics wise. We don't have to get into that. But I think the big theme there is today that is today is the election day for the United States. So everyone's in an uproar right now, November 4th. Yeah, I don't know when people are going to be listening this, but yes, I hear you. But I think the big theme we're seeing is companies wanting to put together something special to tell their employees that we hear you, we recognize you, and let's um, either celebrate what we've been able to accomplish this year, or let's come together and get on a positive note for where next year can go. So unlike a, I, I would say like a, a regular offline Christmas party that might just be like a dinner, drink, something like that. We're seeing people wanting to include things like games, like wellness, like baking, things that are good for the soul um, <laughs> as part of their holiday celebrations this year. Um, we're also seeing a lot of people prioritize doing them earlier in December, during the day, uh, during work hours as a perk. Uh, time is a huge perk that you can give to teams in a remote world. So that's something we coach a lot of our customers to do. And to answer your question on how we're helping with some of those. So we're running a virtual holiday party for one of my favorite teams, Jobber, based out of Edmonton and Toronto. They've got about 300, close to 300 team members and we're working with them to run a virtual holiday party that will be a mix of a award ceremony and speech from their CEO and then the games that their teams can take part in. I believe they voted and chosen escape rooms as their experience. 
But basically the process for working with Wavy is getting in touch with our team. Um, I can share that info later, but it's joinwavy.com. We really like to get to know each client and what their culture is like, what their employees enjoy doing. And then we create a custom package or event that meets their needs. That can include fulfillment, like delivery of a package or gift card. Um, if you'd like to do something without those materials, that's doable as well. And then we have a full kind of platform and event portal so that all employees can RSVP, they can access the events, check out who their very cool hosts will be, um, chat with our team if they have any questions. Um, and from there, it's basically just hands off for your team. We like to handle all of it so that you can sit back and relax and actually enjoy the virtual event itself. So really kind of a full service solution there. I love that. Yeah. Mark, <laughs> do you have any follow-up question before I move on? No, no, this is great. This has been awesome so far. I think Anthony's already mentioned we're going to be following up about the services. <laughs> yeah, sold, sold. <laughs> sold. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, something that I've also noticed, and Mark said it beautifully about how if you strip away the office, then you start to really see what people's core principles are, especially surrounding work. And one of the major things that I've noticed, and we chatted about this before, Sean, is how important health and wellness is. And that's been a realization for a lot of people during this last year. It's a mixture of like sitting at your desk all day, sitting in front of a screen all day, like back problems, standing desk, and then just like the emergence of how how screens and technology in general affect our mental health, especially mm -hmm. with like that new documentary on Netflix, Social Dilemma, people are becoming more aware of this. Mm -hmm. So how does uh, like health and wellness fit into Wavy's curated events? Because mm -hmm. when you think of the classic Christmas party, it's drinking, eating really fatty foods, like that kind of thing. But I feel like people are now focusing more on the other aspects of life. So can you tell yeah. us a little bit about that and how that's affected or impacted the way that you go about curating the events that the companies ha uh, get hosted? Mm -hmm. For sure. And I think this is something that's really important to myself and my team on a personal level. So it's something we're working into our business from the from the get-go. Um, a big priority for us is working with different hosts that represent diversity, equity, and inclusion that represent health and wellness and really align on our values there. For example, we're doing a catered mix of a catered cooking class with an 150 person team in Toronto where uh, the cooking instructor is First Nations Ojibwe and is going to do a mix of a healthy fall harvest bowl and a indigenous storytelling experience. Like we are all wow. for our experiences in the space and it's something that we're placing more and more priority on. Um, so, so yeah, big topic for me. Um, but I think how the question was, how are we helping companies work health and wellness into their, into their team building? We have a whole category around these sorts of experiences. We can work with companies to bring things like a hit workout, a Pilates class, a yoga session to their team members. Um, we've done all sorts of meditations, wellness workshops, um, and then like to bring this into the culinary side too. Making sure that everything is as accessible as possible is an easy way to do this. If you're offering your team a cocktail class, um, you know, we make sure there's a mocktail option. If you're doing, if if you would not like to consume alcohol, that's a healthy choice that we yeah. can offer. Um, so just kind of being um, super aware and making sure that our experiences take accessibility and wellness into account. We also do some pretty creative things like a, 
walking meditation where that's actually an experience that's audio only where we have a guided um, uh, meditation instructor a meditation experience and instructor that will tell the team to actually turn off their videos, either bring this meditation experience on a walk with them uh, or find a comfortable place in their house. And it's actually setting aside that time to spend half an hour, an hour, not on your screen and actually taking part in a guided experience. So we're getting super experimental on that side too. And even in designing time, time and dates around our programming, where Friday afternoon, end of day, might have been a really good time in office to do an event. I actually think, could you do a Friday lunch experience? And hey, you know, the rest of this afternoon is free time, or we encourage you to take mm. it off. Like those are the sorts of perks that are so valuable for teams right now. Um, so yeah, I hope that okay. answers your question. We're kind of thinking about it all the way through. It does. It does. Um, we have about 15 more minutes here. So I have a couple questions that I want to get to. The first one is, where do you think the whole work from home experience that we're going through right now is going to go once the pandemic's over? Mm -hmm. Great question. Like, will you guys start transitioning to in-person? Once that I happens, what's your plans behind the scenes there? You know, we're not saying no to in-person experiences in the future, but we are going to focus on 100% remote for at least the next year. I think remote work is going to do a bit of up and down over the next year and that offices will reopen and people will be going back to that too. But looking long-term, this isn't the first pandemic. The world of remote work is only going to continue to grow, whether that's hybrid, flexible, fully remote, is up to each company. What we're here for is to help make sure that the remote employee experience can be just as good or better than the in-person one. And whether that means hybrid events or different tools or technology to help build remote company culture, you know, those are things we're thinking about. Can we have asynchronous experiences? Can we have off-the-shelf experiences that aren't necessarily live for teams that are distributed around the world? I think this year is kind of normalized doing things together online and that's a trend that's going to stay 100 uh, because you've seen people that were totally against it and now because of necessity all right well i could actually work now so yeah and you see companies hiring for more of a global talent pool right now you see people mm -hmm. fleeing cities and moving to you know in toronto if you look at places like prince edward county and collingwood like they are skyrocketing mm. in populations of millennials moving out there. And you also see like now that it's cool and normal to do virtual experiences together, it kind of levels the playing field a bit for teams that were already distributed or team members like parents who have to leave work at four and go pick up their kids is their team building things that they can take part in too. So mm -hmm. it's kind of like leveling the playing field that's going on here too. And uh, we're all for the the virtual online side of it going forward. Like that. Um, yeah. I'm going to switch gears a little bit here. Okay? okay. And I saw your eyes light up when you were talking about diversity and like cultural inclusion in the workplace. I want to ask why, why did, why did you get passionate there? Why is it a, a big interest of yours? Yeah. I mean, it's been really cool to see how much DEI has grown this year, especially with everything that happened with Black Lives Matters starting in, in back in June 2020. So it's been very 
very interesting for me to see that grow not only on a personal level, but now companies bringing that importance into their workplace and wanting to make sure their teams are educated and, and activated across these these areas. And I'm, you know, a hands-on learner. I think what better way to learn about different cultures, different experiences, and get access to diverse hosts and things like that than to actually experience it through an activity. Having a cooking class that also educates on on uh, indigenous culture and, and different traditions there is such a cool mix of those two things. Focusing in on the indigenous side specifically, I've had a friend teach school in indigenous reserves across Canada over the past few years and got to go and visit specifically up in Cree Nation in Northern Quebec. So got to learn a lot firsthand in those visits. And what's really cool about bringing indigenous hosts like cooking instructors or artists or storytellers forward is that these are truly remote experiences. Uh, it's not often that a company would be able to travel to a, a remote place or reserve to meet people um, who mm -hmm. can these experiences. So being able to bring those online is actually something like brand new that I think is very cool. But, uh, but yeah, it's nice to see things like DE&I and mental health become all of a sudden um, a strategic objective within a company. And we've even seen that up to Fortune 500 companies saying that that's their number one goal for, for the next year. So if we can help to facilitate that, then, then that feels like a win for our team. I was researching you online, okay, before this as well. And I saw a couple interviews that you did, one with Bay Street Bull particularly. And I was making my line of questioning like a week, uh, a couple days ago with yeah. uh, one of our team members. And best forgive me for maybe not putting this the proper way, but in there, they asked about you being a woman in tech. Mm -hmm. Okay. And we have about, it's about 50, 50 of the interviews that we have are with women and they're entrepreneurs and like successful and powerful and influential and great. And I asked them, or it seems to be a common question of, you know, what's it like being a woman in tech, in tech, or what's it like being a founder in Toronto? That's a female, right? And my question to you is, one, why do you think that's still a problem? Like, mm -hmm. why do we even need to have asked this question? And is it is it worth ignoring the question or discussing it? Yeah, great question. You know, I've been lucky in my career so far to be surrounded by influential women in technology and in business. Uh, Nudge, the company I was at previously, was started by two female founders. So it's super cool to be surrounded by that from an early stage in, in my career. Mm -hmm. This question is such a typical one to ask female founders or female Right, and like, I, I feel like, shouldn't we be past it? There, it's important to talk about the subject, but I think so often you ask people like, what's it like to be um, a female CEO? And it's like, can I turn that question back to you and say, have you ever been asked, what is it like to be a male CEO? This is um, exactly my thought. Exactly. No, I haven't. Advice and stuff like that should be relevant to any other entrepreneurs. And no matter, um, you know, no matter what, which gender, gender you identify with, like it should be valuable advice and, uh, and resources to pass along to any aspiring entrepreneur or founder or whoever may be listening in. But I think what's important is, talking about how we can continue to empower women because if you look at it statistically, I believe it was something like only 5% of CEOs in tech in Canada are women or something like that. 
again, I, I might be wrong on the statistic there, but like statistics on numbers basis, we still have a long way to go. So talking about what we can do to empower women, to empower people from diverse backgrounds, to empower LGBTQ professionals, like that's a super important subject and something that I'm, I'm personally passionate about. But I look at like Gen Z and how they're like erasing gender as a whole. And it's like, okay, we're still very focused on like female versus male in, in business. And I'm seeing the, gen, the, uh, the generation below me say like, oh, well, I'm non-binary or I, I, I'm actually like trans cis and it, or like using pronouns and everything like is changing a lot. Uh, so I think I'd it's say. a important question to ask, but in my experience being a woman founder, I feel very supported in the Toronto and Canadian tech ecosystem. There are tons of really great programs and resources dedicated towards women founders, uh, black founders, indigenous founders, LGBTQ, and it's really great to see. So I just want to say like, keep going. I've been very lucky to be a part of Communitech's Fierce Founders program. We've gotten funding for our business through that. There's lots of great women in tech communities. Um, and I definitely like that, like networking side of it and being able to lean on each other. Because uh, a lot of time female, uh, female business owners or female entrepreneurs like won't have as much confidence uh, that men naturally have. So being sure to support and lift, lift women founders up is something that's important to me and like helping people get that confidence is, is, uh, is something we always need to keep doing. Understood. Or if that's a long-winded answer, but... Um, no, it's all good. That's right. I honestly feel like I should just stop asking that question in general. I want to take a stand and be like, no, let's talk about being a CEO and being a leader in general. Yeah, I think something you could do is like um, looking at it from a numbers perspective or like how can we continue to do better? That's a positive hmm. way to frame it. I like that. Yeah, I like that question. Okay. All right, I'll ask you uh, two more questions. One, where can people find you online? So I am on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn. My name is at Sean Hewitt, S-H-A-W-N-H-E-W-A-T, both spelt a bit differently than you might guess. Always on on like Twitter and LinkedIn. And I, I really like connecting with people in tech and business through those channels. Our business is Join Wavy everywhere on social and our website's joinwavy.com. So tried to keep that pretty consistent. And uh, myself and my team are pretty responsive. So if you're listening and you have any questions or just want to chat, I'm open to that. Sweet. And uh, last question, I asked this to everybody, yeah. but it was something that we started talking about like years ago. And it's the fact that we take things for granted that a lot of people work really hard on. For example, this phone that I have right over here, it just works. Like I turn it on and it works. I don't know how it works, but it does. Same thing within the morning, I wake up and I flick on the light and electricity just turns and makes light in my condo. And I don't know how it works, but people that are electricians or uh, software engineers or, or cell phone engineers, they understand how that works. So I like to ask a question to everybody on the podcast because a lot of people have different unique perspectives on life. And I would just ask to you is, what's one thing that you know that you wish other people knew more about? It's a good question. And I think to your light switch comment, uh, there was a comedian that did a pretty funny bit on like the miracle of flight and how we take like airplanes for granted. And it's actually pretty crazy that you can just be like flying in the air in this metal box. <laughs> I want to from like that like machine machinery or like, or invention side of it. 
but maybe more from like a values values approach, something that I think about a lot and that my team spends a lot of time thinking about and I wish other people would spend more time thinking about is um, taking time to be present and to celebrate things. We're so focused on like moving fast and hustle and the next thing and the next best thing and looking forward. And that can become pretty, pretty exhausting. And sometimes you forget to like actively be present in that moment and really recognize what you and your team have accomplished in that given day or that given week and taking time to celebrate that. That's something that I don't see a lot of people doing. And, you know, it's part of what we're trying to work in here at Wavy. Like, you know, it might have not have been the craziest week ever, but let's take time to be together and do something together and celebrate that because it is hard to be present in a world that's increasingly digital, especially, you know, in a world like this where we're on Zoom and talking to our screens. So I feel that this should be all the more important going forward and not forgetting to celebrate little wins or little moments along the way um, is something that I'm trying to do more of. And uh, I, w- I would hope that others would join me in that too. Amazing. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that. Well it's, fun, it's funny that you bring it up because Mark and I, we have a friends group and we yeah. were just chatting about this topic. Believe it or not, last night we were like, because we haven't seen each other in a good six months because of you know everything going on. And we were like, mm-hmm. there was a moment where we were all hanging out and it was like the last time and we didn't even know that those were the good old days, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's tough to see the good old days when you're in them. So it's important to kind of just reflect and take take a moment to say, hey, let's enjoy this present moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people forget that. Mm-hmm. And like there's a lot of ways to to practice that, whether it's in your personal life or 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 in your work life. But just like. And maybe I've learned some stuff from our meditation workshops and things like that. But, you know, you could like, if you're in a moment that you think is really awesome, you can do little things like think about each sense to help like store that moment in your memory. Hmm. There's lots of like little tricks and tips, but it doesn't have to be anything too too crazy. But just taking moments to pause and, and celebrate little wins and little experiences is something that I think is important. Well said. We'll wrap it at that. Sean, thank you so much. Um, for those for those listening thank you for staying till the end this is what they did not teach you in school until next time thanks for tuning in to this week's episode hope you enjoyed it be sure to follow us on instagram at the wise investor until next time this is what they did not teach you in school we hope to see you soon